Hello, and welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. I'm Peter Bregman, and I believe that the best leaders don't try to do it alone. As the CEO of Bregman Partners, my mission for over 30 years and the mission of this podcast is to help successful people like you close your leadership gaps, grow as leaders, and inspire your team, inspire all the people around you to get great results. I'm delighted to be joined today at the Bregman Leadership Podcast by David Cody, who is currently the executive chairman of Vertif Holdings. Previously, he was CEO of the industrial giant Honeywell. He grew the company's market cap from around $20 billion to almost $120 billion, delivering returns of 800%, beating the S&P by nearly two and a half times. He has just written the book, Winning Now, Winning Later, How Companies Can Win in the Short Term While Investing in the Long Term. Uh, Fortune just named it the best business book ever or something pretty close to that. Hank Paulson (laughs) just said that it was his favorite business book of all time. So, you know, two great, and I liked it. So that's three really (laughs) important uh, endorsements uh, to have Dave with us. Dave, welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Nice to be here, Peter. Thanks for the invitation. It's so nice to have you. And, and I could tell you one of the criteria for being on the podcast is not only do you have to be smart and have value to add and have done interesting things in the world and to be a leader yourself and also have thought leadership, but you actually have to be a good person also. And that's really, really important. And I can tell already from the, you know, from the conversations that we've had that you're really a delightful you know, stellar human being. And I, and I well, really appreciate thank that. You. That's, that's appreciated. I think we all try to be, and uh, all of us have our misses, but very nice of you to say that. Well, I think it actually makes a difference in how we lead uh, too. So it's, it's, uh, I, it's, I think it's it does too. But nice to get to know you a little bit. Um, okay. So I'd love to uh, sort of take a little bit of a walk through your career to the point, um, certainly where, to the point of Honeywell, right? Where the, you know, the book focuses mostly uh, on, on your, you know, it's kind of like a, both a case study and teachings and learnings from Honeywell. So yeah. you, and then, and then we'll do a deep dive, uh, in the book and, and mostly I'll set the cliffhanger up here. Um, one of the <laughs> things you said in your, in your 2017 investor letter, and you said it when you first took the role is you are gonna, you know, a lot of your comp comes in stock. You're going to hold your stock for 10 years after you leave the company. And, and that's a real testament to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead in a way that when I leave, the company is set up for success and I trust the people and I trust the processes and I trust the leadership and I trust the structures that we've been able to develop together but that I've led so that when I leave, I am not necessary for the success of the organization. And that's really, really powerful and probably a little scary for leaders to do. So I really want to get to the point of what makes that happen. Sure. Let's start with General Electric. So you, you joined full-time in 1976. Well, actually, uh, 74. I was uh, an hourly employee running a punch press for two and a half years nights while I went to school during the day. And I all kind of want to ask you what a punch press is just to show you that I'm not that old, but I know what a punch press is. So, so, you know, there you have they it. They still exist. They st- <laughs> and, and so, so I kind of want to, I, I want to ask this question of like how, which I know is a huge question, but I, I kind of want you to hone in on what you think made the difference. 
there's probably a uh, you know thousands of people who work punch presses, not all of them who end up advancing the way you did within GE, right? Before you became CEO of GE Appliances in '96. So you know, 20 years later, you really stepped into a very, very uh, high-level leadership role at GE. What do you attribute that rise to? Oh, well, I guess that's a uh, an interesting and complicated question, I guess, because um, I always say uh, there's a couple of things I say about advancement. Uh, one, you have to have uh, you got to perform. Uh, the second one is it's got to be visible. So you got to put yourself into positions where uh, it's going to be visible. And sometimes you have uh, a choice there. Sometimes you don't. But in every case, you need to perform. You've got to just do an outstanding job with whatever it is you've been uh, you've been asked to do. I'd like to think that every job that I had, uh, I did perform well. And the visibility was uh, there on a small basis in the beginning because not that many people uh, can see it. But as I started to go up a little higher in the organization, uh, I managed to uh, had an incident where Jack Welch ended up noticing me, who was the famous, still famous uh, CEO of uh, GE at the time. He might be gone, but he's still uh, still pretty famous. And uh, that incident, which I thought was career killing at the time, actually boosted my career. It ended up being uh, an accelerant. So I would always say that it's those two things. You got to have performance and you got to have visibility. I, I kind of want to um, hone in on this for a second because, yeah. you know, you sort of talk about short term and long term, winning now, winning later. And I'm curious, even at that stage, whether when you talk about performance, you, you're talking about performing in your current job, meaning I am, I'm doing the punch press and I'm going to be the best punch presser there is, or whether you still have an eye towards saying, I'm going to be the best punch presser there is, and I'm going to find ways to show people that I can also do what will be expected of me if they move me to, to be a manager of punch press people. You know, like, you, like are, you, are, you, yeah. are you just talking about being excellent at what you're doing, or are you talking about showing that you can do more? Well, I'd have to say I was nowhere near that sophisticated in my thought process uh, at the time. Right. <laughs> and while I was running a punch press, and uh, I still deal with the hearing loss from banging that thing three to 7,000 times uh, a night, uh, all I wanted to do was get the hell out of there and find myself in a position that paid more once I graduated from school. And I have to say, I was a lot less uh, concerned about thinking about what's next as I was about what's next that'll pay me more than what I'm making now because I can't afford to support my family with what I'm making now. Right. So my uh, level of sophistication in terms of career thinking was nowhere near any of that. It was just what can I do next that will pay me more than this? And, and what, that was it. And what was the interaction with Jack Welch? It, 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 it sent you, Welch promoted you three levels. You did a skip jump there. What, what was yeah. that incident that you thought would get you fired? Well, uh, it was pretty interesting because it made it into his book, the one that he wrote at the time, uh, I guess 20 years ago uh, now. Uh, I was responsible in this j new job that I'd gotten at uh, corporate 
for uh, sending out the request for all the financial data for the strategic plan to the, I don't know, 16 or 17 businesses that existed at the time. Uh-huh. I had made a recommendation to my boss and to all my uh, associates on the staff to say we shouldn't send this out anymore. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of detail. And we don't do anything with it. So we shouldn't do this any longer. Uh, I was voted down 100% by my boss and um, all my associates. Two months later, I get a call uh, from my assistant. And she says, uh, Jack's trying to reach you. So I get on the phone. And I've never talked to him one-on-one before. This is 1986. And out of nowhere, he says, Dave, is it true We ask medical systems for what the ROI will be in the ultrasound business in 1989. And man, my mind is scrambling. I'm trying to figure out where the hell is this coming from? And it finally dawns on me, oh, it must be associated with that strategic plan request I sent out a couple months ago. So I said, yeah, I believe we do as part of the strategic plan request. He literally came through the phone at me, the cursing, the yelling told me to get back up to his office right away with the request. So I went and got it, went up to his office. He yells at me to come in. I do. And he's just flipping through and annoying. What were you feeling? By the way, I'm kind of curious. What were you feeling in this moment? So you've just been yelled at by Jack Welch, who never had spoken to you directly beforehand, and is screaming and cursing at you to come up to his office. What's going on for you? Uh, Pretty much thinking, this isn't good for Dave. But I'd better do what I've been asked to do here. And are are you uh, sweating? Do you think you're going to lose your job? Are you like, I'm screwed uh, here? Not at that point, but I did feel that way 15 minutes later. Okay. Because uh, he calls me into his office and just starts yelling at me and flipping through this presentation, annoying himself, or this request, annoying himself, and just yelling and cursing at me with constantly saying, why would you do such a stupid thing? And why did you do this? And me just explaining it. And it did feel like I was having an out-of-body experience where I was looking down at myself saying, do you remember, Dave, you didn't actually even want to send this thing out? <laughs> so I kind of just took my, uh, took my beating and he said, okay, uh, you've done your job. Now I'm going to do mine. And I walked out, walked down to uh, my office, called my wife at the time and said, I'm not sure how this works, but I, I think I've been fired. And this is just really unpleasant. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to get a job. And, you know, I'm just sitting there trying to figure out, OK, how do you respond to being fired? I assume I'll get some severance. And uh, how, how does this work? I like that your takeaway was, this is really unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really was. So uh, it's about, uh, I don't hear anything, uh, no repercussions from it. And uh, two months later, I take it back, about a month later, I'm uh, invited to an RCA acquisition party because we had just acquired RCA. And by the way, hold on. Let me just, I want to backtrack one second. So- you, you didn't in that moment, because I think so many people would have followed this, this instinct, is to say, hold on, I, I've been against it for, for months. I told everybody, but I got knocked down. I think this was a terrible <laughs> idea. This was not coming for me. I fought it. I just lost. So like that's the instinct that a lot of people would have. You didn't do that. No, I didn't. Uh, 
I guess that's not me. I just felt like that wouldn't be right. So I, I didn't do that. So I, think I went. That's very uh, important. Well, uh, it, it, it ends up being important to the story later on because uh, a month later, I'm going to this RCA party. And um, all of a sudden, I walk in because I was, the, there were only two finance guys on that team, and I was the junior one. So I had really not much exposure to Jack in that one, but I worked on the finance side. And I walk into the party with my buddy, and um, all of a sudden I hear Jack, Jack's yell, uh, Dave, Dave, get over here. And I think to myself, I can't believe it. I've heard all the stories. He's going to fire me at this party. I can't believe it. So I go walking over, and I'm uh, with a little trepidation, and my buddy comes along with me. But we get there, and uh, Jack fortunately is smiling. He's effusive and says, I was never so pissed at anybody since I was in plastics. <laughs> and I can be a little I can be a little mouthy sometimes. And I, I looked at him and said, well, I really appreciated you sharing it with me. And he thought that was uh, pretty funny. So he started laughing and we were kind of talking. Then my buddy looked at him and said, you know, Jack, uh, Dave never wanted to send out that request. And he actually recommended against it. And our boss at the time and all of us voted against him and said, no, you need to do it. And I'll always remember, Jack just looked uh, surprised, and he turned and looked at me, and then he uh, took his fist and with the inside of it, uh, put it into his ribs and said, so you just took the knife for those guys? And I said, well, I didn't really think of it that way. You don't, you don't rat your friends out. Uh, you know, it wasn't like they were, it was anything illegal or anything. And he just kept shaking his head and saying, wow, wow, God, you know, that's something. So, you know, the kind of conversation kind of drifts off. My buddy and I walk off and I turned to my buddy and said, that was really nice of you to do. I really appreciate you doing that. And he said, well, Dave, uh, just so we're clear, if he hadn't been in a good mood, I wouldn't have said anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that amazing? And I think it goes to your other point because you said <laughs> performance and visibility. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people make when they hear that is, all right, I've got to do well. And then I've got to shout from the rooftop so everybody notices how well I did. And, and what you're saying, which is super important, so I want to underscore it, is you have to be excellent and you have to let other people shout about you from the rooftops. Because, you know, <laughs> had you been the one going, no, 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 that way, it would have had the exact opposite. He's like, here's a guy, he would look at, here's a guy who's not taking accountability, who's shirking blame, who's trying to avoid, like, and, and, and when Jack, promoted you three levels up in management in one fell swoop, it was because of your character. I mean, yes, because of your performance, for sure. But because of your character in relation to that performance is what I'm hearing. Well, uh, you are correct. The character did matter because, uh, uh, or his view of it, the CFO pulled me aside later that night uh, for a one-on-one -on -one and said uh, that party night, and said, you have no idea how much good you have done yourself uh, with everything that's happened here. And I told him, well, I am hard pressed to see how, because it sure as hell hasn't felt that way for the last couple months. And he said, no, uh, he already was impressed because he said the way he yelled at you in his office, he had made vice presidents cry. And here you are, this lower mid-level finance employee, and you never 
really said anything. You just kind of stuck to your guns, explained why you did it, why it was important. And then when he found out tonight that you didn't want to do it in the first place, but you wouldn't throw in your friends, he just thinks the world of you. So good things are going to happen to you from here. And it did. Um, now, let me ask you a question. Do, is that, were you lucky? Like, were, were you lucky because had you not, because you weren't self-promoting? And so had someone not promoted you, you know, or, or not promoted you, but, but promoted your virtues, um, that you, you never would have gotten that opportunity, he never would have seen you? Or are you, are, is it a faith-based thing in a sense? I'm not talking about faith-based in a, in a big word, but, but having faith that if I show up, if I take accountability, if I perform well, you know, if I treat other people around me well, if I don't throw people under the bus, if I, that I believe that even if this wasn't the opportunity, there would have been other opportunities, that the recipe for success is absolutely not self-promotion, but it's great performance in a way that other people can see, but you don't have to talk about it. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's tough to know uh, how things are ever going to evolve. Uh, I'm not completely against self-promotion because I think it's very easy to hide your light under a bushel basket and go too far the other way. And some people never get noticed because they never say anything about uh, what they've done or what they've uh, accomplished. So it's not that that's any kind of self-promotion is wrong. Uh, after all, I'm out here promoting this book. So it's, <laughs> it's not like I'm completely against it. Um but by the same token, I think you have to make a decision early on on what do you stand for? Who do you want to be and how do you want people to think about you? And I think back to my uh, dad all the time saying, uh, treat everyone with respect, no matter where they are or where they're from, until they prove otherwise they deserve your respect. And uh, just kind of the way you grow up as a kid. And I mean, do you want to be known as the guy who wimps out right away or the one who throws in his buddies right away because he's scared. That's eh, just not how I want to think about myself. So I think some of this, it's less about, okay, what do I think is going to drive success than it is about, well, who do I want to be? I and love that. Yeah. How, do, how I do I want to think about myself? Yeah. Um, was it, I'm just one more question about this and then we'll jump ahead. Was it, was that a hard moment for you to hold back defending yourself? Was it um, hard to do? Were you holding back? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was painful right. because, you know, at the same time you're listening to yourself be berated, you're thinking, "How?" You know, it's like that. I think it's Talking Heads song. How did I get here? Right. Is uh, you, <laughs> you but but what you're saying like, is you weren't. How did I get here? But you I, weren't I didn't fighting. Want to do this, and now I'm having to defend it. And <clears> you weren't fighting an urge to tell him, Hey, I wasn't into this and it's not my fault. And like, you weren't fighting that urge. You were clear that it was, it was painful because you yelled at and how did I get here? But it also sounds like you weren't quelling an instinct to defend yourself in that moment. Is that right? No, or, I don't think yeah. so. I mean, it's tough to remember, remember. exactly. It was 30 years ago right. uh, or more, I guess. Although the no, research shows that painful experiences stay in our memories for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, I guess it's one of those where early on in the process 
you decide which way you're going. Right. And to say, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to throw in anybody. Uh, as the beating continues, I guess I, maybe I could have faltered, but that was a path I was already on and I wasn't going to deviate. Okay. And maybe just a sentence <laughs> on, um, on the visibility piece. I get the performance piece. How do we get visibility without being too self-promoting? Like how do people get visibility? Well, I think there's uh, ways to do your job that uh, make you more visible. And again, I can't say that I ever did things in order to be more visible. And it was more just how I looked at the job. So, for example, uh, somebody that uh, you know a little bit or you've just met in the organization uh, comes to you and asks you for some help on something. It's very easy to just say, no, I've got all this other stuff to do. Well, uh, that's not how I was. I would always try to help help them just because uh, they seem like a nice person and um, it's just, just the way I was. So I would work whatever I had to in order to help them out. Well, it's really kind of interesting how if you, and I ended up realizing this later on, the more you do this, uh, the more people you have saying, gee, you know, Dave's actually a pretty good guy and does a good job. Right. And I ended up losing a job at one point. Uh, the first one I got uh, uh, leaving a, a different corporate position because they reorganized. And this was in the early 80s. And there were really no jobs at the time. Jack was uh, downsizing the headcount of the company. There was a lot of re kind of recession uh, recovery going, uh, just beginning. But there were really no jobs for me anywhere in the company. And there was this one HR finance guy or a finance guy for uh, HR guy for the finance function. And he gave me a call and said, there's one job open in the company, in the entire company at your level. And I'm going to put you on the slate and suggest you get the job. And I thanked him for it and said, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate that, but uh, why? I mean, it's very nice of you, but I haven't heard from you in years. And he said, well, do you remember uh, you audited me like four years ago? And this was when I was a corporate auditor running around the world auditing people. And he said, you know, most corporate auditors are uh, not that nice. And you wrote me up more than any auditor ever had. But you were always nice about it. You weren't uh, nasty. You uh, weren't no power plays. And you were nice about it. So I remembered that. So I was right oh. the way I introduced this uh, podcast. Because if you're nice enough to have people who you audit like you and want to promote you, that's like, uh, you know, that's that's no small bar. That's no, well, that's no I, low I, bar. I don't, know, I, would, I don't know that I would say it particularly nice, but I would say that it is possible to get your job done right. and be courteous about it. Right. There's uh, common courtesy is sometimes not so common. Right. Right. It's great. I sometimes think we're all moving so fast nowadays that we lose that piece that were, I know for myself, I could feel that sometimes, like I'm moving so fast, I'm trying to do so much that I, I lose some degree of the connection that I would normally engage with people on because I'm trying to do so much of the transactional piece. And it's such a good reminder that says that that is not in anybody's interest to move that fast and to do that much.
Well, I think you see that a fair amount on social media nowadays, right. to your point, where common courtesy just seems to have gone out the window. Right. It's, God, it's, it's really bothersome. Right. Hi there. Thanks for listening. Just wanted to let you know that this episode is part one of two. If you enjoyed the episode, stay tuned for next week for the conclusion of the conversation. Thanks and have a great week. Thanks for listening. Here's what I've learned from working with some of the most successful leaders of the most successful companies. Every leader, every team, and every organization has a leadership gap. If you want to become a leader who inspires your team to get things done, then you've got to start by raising the level of your leadership abilities. You can start by taking our free leadership gap assessment at www.bregmanpartners.com forward slash quiz. Then dive deeper with a copy of my latest book, Leading with Emotional Courage. For more ways to become a truly great leader, check out our online offerings, in-person workshops and events, and my articles at www.bregmanpartners.com. Again, thanks so much for joining me today, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.